and Answers begins right now. Dedicated Mormons devote two years to missionary service. Millions around the world are visited by a Mormon missionary every year. How can we reach the Mormon missionary for Christ? In his new book, Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message, Corey Miller and eight other former Mormons explain the Mormon culture and mindset and present principles on how to effectively share Christ with your Mormon friends. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with our host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. In our broadcast today, Pat will conclude his interview with Dr. Corey Miller. This has been a fascinating and inspiring discussion on conversing with Mormon missionaries. Now, let's get right to the interview. The Mormon God is finite in every respect. And so when it comes to omnipotence, he's not all powerful. He's growing in power. When it comes to omnipresence, he's confined to a body, just like we are. In fact, Mormon uh, authorities teach that we are gods in embryo. Uh, so they've said, when it comes to omniscience, God is growing in knowledge. And so in every respect, and, and he's sharing his deity. And the God of this world actually has a God ahead of him, who has a God ahead of him, who has a God ahead of him ad infinitum agnosium, which means that the God that we're supposed to be worshiping, so Mormons will say it's called henotheism, the belief in many gods, but the worship of only one, is kind of at the bottom of the barrel of all the gods that have ever been. And at some time in the future, I'll probably surpass that point. And of course, that God will be beyond that. He'll always remain a step ahead of me. But the God that I'm worshiping right now is lesser than what I'll be one day. That's not really a supreme being. So that translates into their view of Christ, Christology as well. Their doctrine of salvation is a grace plus works combo, which is why they can never know that they know that they know that if they died today, they would spend eternity with Heavenly Father because they've always got the potential that they might lose it tomorrow. They haven't yet arrived. Their scripture says that you are saved by grace after all you can do. Well, how much can you do? Well, there's no commandment that God has given that you can't keep. We better get keeping it. Well, by what time? The Book of Mormon says, by this lifetime or else. So it's not good news. It's not the Christian gospel. It's not the same God. And even though the Book of Mormon subtitle says another testament of Jesus Christ, it's really a testament of another Jesus Christ. Yeah. And one of the things you state in your book is you need to make your terms really clear because they use Christian terms. So when they say God or our Heavenly Father, we believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. You know, Jesus Christ, our older brother. Sounds Christian. A lot of Christian terminology there. But as you're stating here, they mean very different things, don't they? So that's something you got to really have clear, uh, not only when you're talking with them, but also clear uh, that you understand the big difference. That's right. Just because we spell it the same way. We spell the word mom the same way, too, and we can spell it backwards, but it doesn't imply that you and I have the same mom. Once you start describing the character of that individual, you see that they are vastly different. Yes, and for more on Mormon doctrine, go to our website there at Evidence and Answers, uh, and you can see a lot of good essays on Mormon doctrine here that Corey just briefly covered. Well, Corey, one of the things that makes this book unique also is written by former Mormon missionaries. And so... 
Let's talk about engaging the Mormon missionary here who comes to your door. First, tell us, you know, about their background, just a little bit of their training and their mindset. And also something people may not know is the tremendous pressure that they are under while on their Mormon missionary endeavor here. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So uh, Dr. Anderson and I did not serve missions. We converted before it was time to go on our missions. But the six internal authors, the ones really addressing systematically the Mormon missionary manual that they use to preach my gospel, they all went on their full two-year missions. And so they are authoritative on what it means to live the life of a Mormon missionary. And they know like the back of their hand, better than the missionaries anyone's going to encounter today, what those discussions are. Why? Because the missions that people, the missionaries people encounter today have yet to fulfill their full two years. And if they're female, it's only 18 months. All of these authors fulfilled their entire two years from coast to coast and from various places around the world. They were committed, they were devout. Some have gone on to get seminary degrees, some PhDs, some have written books, some have podcasts. One had a book before he converted to Christianity called A Biblical Defense of Mormonism. Hmm. He's since retracted that and republished it with some new information. But one of the chapters by one of the missionaries gives us what the Mormon missionary life is like and, you know, starts at what time they wake up in the morning, what time lights out is supposed to be, how many letters you can or cannot write home. Can you talk on the phone? Can you use Internet, email, anything like that? And you're right. You you, you pointed to something, the vulnerability that they all evince in here, that they show the stress that they're under the doubts that they have that most people won't see when they're talking with a missionary, you get the sense that, wow, these guys had consensus on this stuff. This is probably what's going on in the missionary's psyche that I'm talking with, even though I can't readily see it. And so they are trained for six weeks at the missionary training center, likely Provo, Utah, but there are other missionary centers around the world too, but they're trained there for six weeks. They get language training. They get theological training. These are young men and women that are, you know, now you can be 18 years old. They just lowered the age a little while back for males, 19 for females. And, you know, they're just coming out of high school. And some of them have not even received a testimony yet, and they're told to go find a testimony. Hmm. And so they look formidable, they look intimidating, but they have memorized virtually this manual, which is designed to dialogue with Protestants and Catholics. And if you say this, they'll say that. And if you say that, they'll say this. They know exactly the trajectory that they want you to go down. Hmm. And you know, that's why our book is so important. It's the first ever written like it that will help people to have confident conversations because you'll know how many times you're supposed to exhale on Tuesday night, how many times you're supposed to inhale, how you're supposed to be made to feel, what passages they're going to take you through. And the book is a good balance between the cognitive in the mind and the affective components. You're seeing testimonials of these people right before your eyes. Um, You're getting the heart and you're getting the head at once by those who are like the missionaries that you're going to be talking to. And the Christian can be relaxed, utterly confident. Why? Because they're not seeing, they're not going to see anything that throws them 
off the path. They know exactly what to expect. They've already read the passages. They know which way the Mormon missionary is going to take them. And so they can allow the Mormon missionary to still function in the role as teacher, how they see themselves, while we're the student, the investigator. But meanwhile, what we're doing, like Socrates, is we're asking good questions, and we're actually the ones leading them down a particular path, allowing them to think that they are and what that does is it just creates a good dialogue. It allows us to have time of reflection rather than deflection. I'm not pushing back immediately. I'm learning what the missionary lessons are, what they take to be the core issues of Mormonism. And then at a certain juncture, now it's my turn. I've earned the right to be heard. And so the Christian doesn't have to get emotional. They don't have to react. A mistake that uh, so many Christians make which then just validates to the Mormon, see, see, you're getting emotional, you're getting angry. I was taught that you would do this, and and now I've been. it's been proved that we are a persecuted people, and this is showing it right here. If you want greater detail on how to effectively engage Mormons before Christ, go to that book we're talking about here, Responding to the Mormon Missionary Message. Corey, uh, take us in just a little bit. I know you can't go into full detail. I'll have to get your book for that. But, you know, most Mormon missionaries, when they come to your doorstep, they say, we want to share with you the good news about Jesus Christ. And what they share is pretty much very similar to the gospel message of Christ. You don't hear too much of the, you know, Mormon theology and all of that in there. It sounds pretty Christian. So where do you go from there? Again, yeah, they use the same terms, J-E-S-U-S, G-O-D, eternal life, virgin birth, born again, grace. They're going to use the same terms and make it sound very similar. But beginning at missionary discussion number one, they're going to show why there's a need for a restoration because your church and all other churches have lost the authority and lost countless other truths that Mormons have brought forth. So, you know, you might ask them the question is, is Christ the son of God? And they're going to say, yes. Well, is he God the son? Uh, yes. Has he always been God? Hmm. You know, you're starting to drill in now on some of these terms. The same thing when it comes to salvation. So you're right. They're going to make it sound very much like a Christian gospel. And that's the nature of the deception. Uh, but it's like the, um, you know, Genesis 3, the little nature snake, right? The serpent comes in, enters the scene, and it doesn't come across like a Hollywood-looking devil with horns and a pointy tail and a pitchfork. Um, it looks like a chameleon. It looks like it blends in with nature. And you had mentioned the Jehovah's Witnesses earlier. You know, right around the same period of time, Christian science, which is neither Christian nor scientific, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Mormons, they all started in the same area up in New England, the burned out districts and so forth. But the ones who have really advanced of those groups is are the Mormons. They come across with a suit and tie, going to go mow your lawn, all American, nice people. Perhaps we'll get a president one day that's Mormon. Surely this is mainstream. This is rational. This is right. And they are very, very, very good at marketing and making it look like this is just another denomination. You know, 50 years ago, they would not have wanted to say that they are Christians. Now they get offended if you say that Mormons aren't Christians. But that's part of the evolution of Mormonism and how they mainstream and why they convert an average Baptist church per week, they say. 
Yeah. The dozens of Mormons uh, that I have spoken with, uh, I will ask them, well, tell me, you say God the Father, tell me about him. And they'll just kind of recite uh, what they have learned. And it sounds very biblical, very orthodox. And then when you push him a little bit, you just say, well, was God always God? Was God married? Or, or something like that, you know. A lot of them will just stop right there and say, no, no. You know, and a lot of them use this tactic. What do you think? Right, exactly. When, when you explain what you think, they go, yeah, exactly. That, that, that's <laughs> feminism. Yeah, and then when you talk about, well, who is Jesus? And they'll kind of go, well, what do you think? And you explain who Jesus is. They go, yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, you know, kind of thing. Because I think their goal is to be accepted as another Christian organization, just one with extra nicer people. So how do you get past that? Well, it's kind of a game. Uh, you've got to ask more questions than they ask. <laughs> uh, yeah, you get you get five different Mormons. You might get six different opinions. There is a reason. I, I appreciate the Greek philosopher Epictetus who said, we have two ears and one mouth for a reason so that we listen more. What we're encountering here is that these people are not robots. They are persons. There's no algorithm here. There is a personal dynamic with their own stories, their own commitments, their own doubts, their own reasons for why they are Mormon, and their understanding of Mormonism and, and what their commitment levels are. And so as Christians, just like we would any other person, we want to get to know the person. We want to listen more and get to know the person. I need to have a basic understanding of Mormon theology, and I can assume for the most part, especially if they're Mormon missionaries, they're probably going to hold something in that ballpark. But I don't want to make the mistake of barking up the wrong tree. I want to find out who that Mormon is, what makes that Mormon tick, what their commitment level is. I want to go for their soul. I want to treat them as a person, not a theology, a person to be loved and a person to be one to Christ. Because uh, as you had mentioned earlier, Walter Martin in the Kingdom of Cults, he once said that, um, you know, are you willing to do more for the truth than the cults are for a lie? Are you willing to take the time to study a little bit of Mormonism? And if you get this book, you'll you'll start to learn the Christian theology and gospel really well as also because it's being compared and contrasted, which helps to illuminate it. But are you willing to do what it takes to prepare to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that lies within with gentleness and respect? You don't need to be a master of Mormonism. You need to be a master of the gospel and you need to be a lover of people and listen and treat them as persons and use this as a guide, use this as a guidepost. And I think people, if they do, they'll see how accurate it is. But nonetheless, all six, all eight of the authors of the book have different stories to tell. All six former missionaries have different stories to tell. And the missionaries that people are going to be meeting with, even though they will line up with the trajectory that this is talking about, they're still going to be different. And so I encourage people, listen, 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 earn the right to be heard. You'll get your chance. Ask a lot of questions. If they try to get you to say, well, what do you think? What do you think? You say, well, you're here to teach me. I'm trying to learn more about Mormonism, something that you want me to do. So I'm trying my best to learn. So I'd appreciate you continuing to teach. Right. And then you're leading them down this path, you know exactly what they're going to say and how they're going to breathe and how they're going to look at you. But then you'll have your, your chance and now you've earned the right to be heard 
and it'll come forth powerfully because now you've read through some of the Book of Mormon. You've spent time with them. You've tried to get to know them as persons. And now you have a chance to bear testimony and promote the Christian gospel over and against what Mormonism is. And you don't have to say, I read this anti-Mormon book as they would see it, or anti-Mormon literature on the internet, or you know the bash and dash approach that, oh no, the missionaries are coming quick, don the blinds or slam the door on them, or take your Bible and you know bash them over the head with the biggest theological verse you can. No, you just casually get to know them, befriend them, love them, ask them questions, be respectful, be someone they're going to remember. That's a positive experience of an evangelical. You might be the only one they remember in that way. And put pebbles in their shoes, so to speak. Stop provoking questions. And this book equips you to do just that. Yeah. You know, Corey, as we, you know, bring our time to an end here, some may feel that it's fruitless endeavor to try and lead a Mormon uh, out of Mormonism to Christ. You know, what do you have to say to that person? Here's eight people right here. (laughs) When I came to Christ and went back to Utah my senior year of high school, part of what inspired me to write a book like this eventually, decades later, is because I ran into a person who was on his mission and was given uh, insurmountable doubt that he eventually had to leave his mission because he talked with some articulate, knowledgeable Christians who loved him and were willing to take the time. He left his mission, he became a Christian, and he ended up discipling me my senior year of high school. Every Tuesday, uh, we would get out of school and I would bring half Christians, half Mormons, a third Christians, a third Mormons, and a third non-believers, and we would go over to this guy's apartment and do a Bible study. Um, There are a number of people like this. One of the other books I wrote with Lynn Wilder, she's a former BYU professor. There are a lot of Mormon missionaries, a lot of Mormons that are coming to Christ, but a lot of Mormon missionaries that are coming to Christ. And I think the hope for a book like this is that this will equip you not only to, again, stem the tide, stop the bleeding from Christian churches going into Mormonism, but it will give us the opportunity to multiply exponentially people like the authors here. Can it be done? It just was. These guys, their lives are proof positive. Let's multiply this. Let's lead Mormon missionaries to Christ. And let's bring the gospel to Mormonism and bring the Mormon church down. Not because that's our intent, bringing it down. Our intent is bringing them to Christ. And so I encourage people, go get the book. Don't stroke your Socratic beard and say, isn't that interesting? Call the Mormon missionaries, invite them over, put the metal to the test, and see how effective this can be and start winning Mormon missionaries to Christ. You've got a lot of them right there in Hawaii with a BYU campus. Yeah, and all over Asia as well, wherever. And we're heard in the Philippines and, you know, they've got... Oh, there's 700,000 Mormons in the Philippines. Yes, yes. You know, we're in an Instagram culture and we expect instant results. You know, I think a lot of people get discouraged because they don't, come to Christ at their doorstep. But as you shared earlier, you know, it's a culture, maybe maybe they grew up in this culture. It takes years for many of them to think through it, process it, and come to that, you know, decision that indeed the church and its teachings are contra- you know, contradict what the Bible teaches. But it can take years 
right? Uh, yeah. And that's something people need to understand and not get discouraged because they, they're not going to convert right at your doorstep, right? Right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, one person waters, another person maybe reaps the harvest. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. Yeah. Well, as we end then, can you share with us a personal story, maybe of yourself or maybe someone you know, of someone that successfully engaged Mormon and was able to lead them out of Mormonism to the true Jesus? I mean, yeah, plenty. Uh, I mean, I've led many Mormons to Christ myself. I've seen missionaries crumble. I've got friends like my co-authors here that are examples, co-authors in the book Leaving Mormonism that were professors also, and and a BYU professor, and her son who's written an amazing book, how he came to Christ as a Mormon missionary because one Christian on the field took the time to encourage him to read the New Testament as a child. And he kept thinking, I'm going to disprove this person. I'm going to, it's a pastor. I'm going to disprove them and win their whole congregation. And as he kept reading through the New Testament, eventually he came to Christ and came home, eventually led to his mom coming to Christ and brother, who's now one of the authors, contributing authors of this book as well. And so Mormons oftentimes are coming to Christ. There are so many stories to be told. You've just got to put the pedal to the metal, do your part, recognizing that the pressure's not on you. It's on the Holy Spirit. We're just responsible with presenting the gospel and doing it in a a fashion that's respectful to the person and that is consistent with what the Bible says. But if you love God, you want to love people that God sent forth his son to die for. And I would say the Mormon people are among them. Yes, and if you're equipped and ready to go, it's a great way to get equipped to share with your Mormon friends. You can have very effective ministry to your Mormon friends and Mormon missionaries that you encounter. You've been listening to our interview with Dr. Corey Miller. Uh, He's from a seventh-generation Mormon family. He is now president of Ratio Christi, a great campus apologetics ministry on over 150 campuses in the United States and the world. And he's also a great Mormon scholar, written several great books on Mormonism. The one we're talking about here is the latest one, responding to the Mormon missionary message. So, Corey, if people want more information on the things that you've written, but also on your organization, Ratio Christi, where can they go? For this one, if you want to just go to the... uh... MormonMissionaryMessage.com. MormonMissionaryMessage.com. You can see short bios on all the authors. You can see endorsements. You can see videos, resources. You can even order the book from Amazon, Mormon Missionary Message, 3Ms.com. But the main one is RatioChristi.org. R-A-T-I-O. And then the word Christ with an I at the end, dot org. RatioChristi.org. We now Pat are launching Ratio Christi Press this month, wow. and we have over 35 booklets that are written by some of the best authors, uh, mostly all PhDs like Stephen Meyer, William Lane Craig, and other people, uh, Rich Howe, on issues of God's existence, uh, critical theory, LGBTQ, and the evidence for the resurrection, and so forth, problem of suffering, written at the 11th grade reading level. Anyone from anywhere, from China, from Philippines, from Hawaii, from Indiana, can download any one of those booklets for free. They're written at the 11th grade reading level, 25 pages each. Pastors can get them. And now, because we've got the press, by this time next month, they can start ordering them online 
for their youth groups to prepare them to go to college for their Sunday school classes, their small groups, and so forth. They're going to be uh, translated all in process right now, being translated into Spanish as well. And uh, we are trying to preach the gospel and help people be equipped on college campuses. We've got a professor's ministry, we've got a high school ministry, and we are in international areas as well. But people can resource us now through a product line of booklets, Rachel Christie Press. Yes, you've been listening to our interview with Dr. Corey Miller, president of Rachel Christie. Great organization, great ministry that you're going to want to check out. So, Corey, thanks for being with us here once again on Evidence and Answers. Thanks, Pat. Great to be back. Once again, we've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers. Our goal is to bring you the love of Christ and to equip you in your faith to always be ready to give a response. If you would like to hold an apologetics conference or series of teachings at your facility, contact Pat by calling him in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may email him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. Be sure to browse through our listing of topics on our site. We have everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism. You will also find our articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. An additional location to find Pat's messages is on YouTube. Look up Evidence and Answers and hit the subscribe button. To keep quality broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous financial support from you, our listeners. Donating is simple. Just log on at evidenceandanswers.org. Evidence and Answers is grateful for one of our sponsors, the Honolulu Christian Church. If you don't have a home church and are looking for a place to grow in your faith, check out the Honolulu Christian Church. For service times, log in at honoluluchristian.org. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucker.